Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today we put our minds to Mainz and discuss their managerial changes and sporting problems. There's praise for the Swabian surprise package for Stuttgart and league leaders Leverkusen. And at last, some love for Borussia Mönchengladbach. All of this and much more with a very special guest in this week's edition of Beer and Honey. Hello, dear listener. I'm Rafael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we're back with another edition of Beer and Honey. Back thanks to you, because without your support, we couldn't be doing this. Uh, if you haven't yet signed up to be a member of the official Beer and Honey Supporters Club, please consider doing so. Uh, or even better, you can become an ultra and get a Beer and Honey special limited edition mug as a token of our appreciation. Either way, thank you very much for supporting us. We appreciate it a lot. And we have a very special guest today. Again, a friend of the show. Welcome, Mark Pfeiffer. Hello, nice uh, that you're having me again. <laughs> um, a short introduction. Uh, Mara has already been with us on the show. She uh, calls herself the word pirate. She is a journalist, blogger, podcaster, author, um, she is hosting a podcast with the strange acronym FRÜF, even, even strange uh, to, to uh, Germanize. It's called Frauen reden über Fußball, women talk about uh, football. And she has uh, written the fantastic book about Wolfgang Frank, the football revolutionary, unfortunately not available in English. Um, so if you want to know about the guy who was maybe the biggest influence on Jürgen Klopp, you should read her book. And she is a um, Mainz 05 expert and a fan. Are you also a fan, Mara? I have to admit, uh, even if it's hard in times like these, but yes. The heart is still there. <laughs> I mean, um, there, there have been a... Yeah... Um, Shocking events at Mainz 05 because um, Bo Svensson is is not the coach anymore. He stepped back. We talked about it already. Um, Bo Svensson say, giving his farewell in tears. Um, how could that happen? I mean, um, if you had, would have asked me before the season, I, I would have thought um, everything's okay at Mainz. Um, Uh, yes, Anton Stach left the, the, uh, the club uh, to Hoffenheim, a, a very important player. But overall, the impression wasn't uh, that um, Mainz should, uh, could have to do anything with a relegation fight. So what happened? Well, that's uh, really uh, been the question of the past uh, couple of days and uh, weeks. And um, I think uh, it's uh, very hard to grasp. Um, if you talked to Bo Svensson before the season, um, he was quite um, happy with uh, the players uh, that he had. Um, he did uh, as much as uh, we heard fight uh, to keep Anton Stach um, and I think the transfers are maybe um, a 
a bigger part of the picture than people would have thought before the season because there's been well how do you put it some changes in how the story is being told um, for example um, Bo Svensson um, has been in Mainz uh, or was in Mainz for three years and he always said he wanted a small team. He did not want too many players because he wanted all the players to have a real chance to really be playing. Plus he wanted the young players uh, from the other teams uh, at the club to have a chance uh, to kind of slip in. Um, and now all of a sudden the story uh, has been changed by Christian Heidel who says well, we needed to have a small team because of economics. And of course, there's a big difference. Do you have a coach who says, I want it that way? Or do you have a head of sports uh, as Christian Heidel and a sporting director and Martin Schmidt who say, we have to have it that way um, because of uh, economics? And there have been more um, story changings like that. For example, there has been the big question about Bo Svensson himself and extending his contract because it would have ended uh, in the summer anyway and before the season the story was well we want to um, we want to fix up the team and as soon as we've done that we will talk about the contract um, but we will not want uh, to wait until Christmas and then the season kind of uh, got going and it didn't start as well as everybody thought and then the story was well we want to give each other time until maybe Christmas and and I think um, there's been overall problems with the communication. Of course, the communication does not have a direct influence on how the team is playing, but um, there has been some felt turbulences. Plus, of course, you have so many injured players and there's been weird stories around that too. For instance, Nelson Viper, um, the young player, um, is um, the kicker wrote that he uh, thought um, he wanted a second opinion on his uh, injuries and um, he got an operation um, supposedly against the will of the club at that time and there's maybe a link to Jonathan Burkhardt another young and very talented player who's been out of the game for one year now because of injury after injury so there have maybe been some questions about how do all these injuries come together and why are the players injured for so long. So there's a lot of things that, you know, if you look at it, you would say that does not have anything to do with what's happening on the pitch. But when all of that comes together, maybe in the end, it really does. I mean, Mara, I'm, I'm still shocked, I must say. I find it hard Me to too. process um, a coach who who worked so well for this team, who was building a reputation as someone who's going to be an absolute superstar, inevitably. And of course, there are always reasons they go beyond, beyond the actual performances. But how did the performances themselves suffer so much? I mean, that was a big shock for and, um, I must say that really is uh, the thing that no one so far has been able to figure out. I mean, if any um, of the people at the club did, uh, hopefully they would have helped their coach. If the coach himself did, uh, he would have been able to help himself or help the team. I mean, you must say 
Um, of course, uh, if you find yourself um, at the end of the table, there's always reasons for that and you always, in a way, belong there. But if you look at game after game, it's really been kind of shit showy. I mean, you have the first game at Union Berlin um, and uh, Ajok missed two penalties, not one, but two. And it's not only that he did not score the goals, but that kind of broke the guy because before he came to Mainz, he had a really hard time. Then he has played half a season in Mainz and it's been really well. And he comes out for the new season and that mishappening uh, is taking place. And it really did something to him. So you lose the first game against a club who's almost lost every game after that. Then you have the second game against Eintracht Frankfurt and you are playing a really good game and um, you uh, get um, an equalizer in like the last second of the game you know and of course all these things are they are happening but if you have those things happening game after game it does something to you then you go to Werder Bremen and you say okay Werder Bremen is a game you can uh, you see eye to eye with the other club and that's something you have to win and you really go down in Bremen bad and there's no there's no good explanation for that then you come back again then you have like a game in Augsburg where you score a very early goal and then you score supposedly a second goal but it's like like a millimeter offside and then that does something to your head and then you lose that game which after like 10 minutes in the game everybody thought you would you know uh, get your first win of the season so there's been a mix of well not doing as well as everybody expected that messing with your head but also bad luck and then I think the team in a way mentally was not prepared for what was happening and I know that um, the question of like if you have a sports uh, psychology um, under um, uh, helping um, at the club um, has been uh, in the discussion uh, for some time like if you um, ask um, about that uh, topic they will be like oh we don't need that but maybe really um, in a way you do and in a situation like that you do and for me and that's just my my personal judgment if I look at the last couple of weeks um, I did get the impression that Bo Svensson within the club was kind of left alone because Bo Svensson I mean I think we can all agree he comes off as a person who's rather sensitive he was feeling um, that a lot of the people that support the club were really really um, unhappy with what was happening and um, he's someone who kind of reacts to that and then you had all the things that we like touched um, before that were being turbulent plus you had the whole El Ghazi story which uh, you uh, touched upon uh, earlier and he sat there press conference after press conference just by himself and if you have a situation like that at the club and you have so many questions from the journalists that don't really touch the next game but that touch everything else that's going on in the club I think you need 
the head of sports or the president or whoever to sit with him and to kind of bounce off these questions. Because you could see in the press conferences that he was getting more and more frustrated that he had to answer all these questions and that in a situation where he really needed to focus on the sport, he couldn't do it because there were so many other questions. And I think that's really something um, the people uh, at the club have to look at and um, have to, to work on because I think mistakes were being made and not just by Bo Svensson. And my personal um, take is that um, Christian Heidel told the story how Bo Svensson after that bad game in Berlin um, at the Cup came to them and said uh, he doesn't feel like he's the right guy at the right time um, anymore. And well, of course, you have two solutions. Uh, you can say, yes, we agree, or you can say, no, we don't agree. You are the right guy. Things are going bad, but we will turn them around together. And they chose not to do that. So you can say he stepped back because he offered or because he gave his estimation uh, that things are you know problematic but I think if everybody was still convinced uh, to go on together they could have done that and the question is if if you have been uh, such a good working trio as Heidel, Schmidt and Svensson how did they come to the point that they thought Bo Svensson is not the guy who will get us out of here because a lot of people still thought he was. A lot of a lot of people thought he wasn't. But there is a question about that too. Um, Mara, now uh, Bo Svensson is history. Jan Sievert is what is he? The caretaker manager? Is he the new manager? And uh, how do you judge him? He was coaching um, the under twenty three team of Mainz, so or the second team. Um, uh, some of our English listeners uh, know him from his um, famous spell at, uh, we have to admit, very unsuccessful spell at Huddersfield. Um, uh, so what's his role now? And has he turned round things? Because uh, his in his first match, <clears throat> Mainz won 2-0 uh, against Leipzig, a sensational win. Um And uh, this weekend there was a nil-nil draw in a kind of local derby in Darmstadt. So um, how do you judge the, the new situation and Jan Sievert? Um, I think it's uh, still uh, very early um, to do that. Um, uh, for once, of course, uh, Jan Sievert uh, for the time being was a logic solution because he's already at the club and uh, he could uh, take right over. And um, the club uh, thought, I think uh, rightly so, that uh, Baba Kay Hanfa, which uh, was uh, Bo Svensson's uh, co, um, was, you know, uh, so much a team with Bo Svensson that if Bo Svensson stepped back, uh, Baba Kay Hanfa uh, would not uh, go on either or they wouldn't go on with him. So to take Jan Sievert uh, was uh, an easy solution. And of course, uh, you know that the guy has experience um, plus um, the um, the work between uh, the first team and the second team in Mainz um, is pretty close so everybody knows each other Jan Sievert knows the players and uh, he already coached them for one game uh, before Bo Svensson uh, took over three years ago so 
he was the go-to guy. I mean, everybody pretty much expected that. Um, I know there are a lot of people um, that uh, have their heart uh, in for the club who hope um, that uh, Benny Hoffman, who coaches the under-19, um, will be like the long-term solution. Personally, I think you would burn him in a situation like that. He's a really good coach and he's been very, very successful with the under 19. And I think uh, because they're playing European this season, uh, they should really uh, let him stay where he is right now. He will be a head coach and maybe in Mainz one day. And I think he will do great. But I think uh, this would not be a fair situation to put him in. Um, as for Jan Sievert, I think um, uh, the fact that he's been coaching uh, the Premier League uh, probably played a role too. Um, to really judge the two games, uh, I think it's kind of hard because uh, it might sound uh, funny, but um, Mainz um, has actually uh, looked very, very good against Leipzig uh, in the last years. They have won quite some games against Leipzig, um, especially at home, but also last game, uh, uh, last season, the game in Leipzig, 3-0. Uh, um, it was actually before the game against Leipzig, now the last game they played late 2-0 um, and the well before he took over it was pretty clear um, because uh, of the break we have now that we he would at least have those two games and um, I really thought that Darmstadt was um, the harder game you know, because against Leipzig, there was really not much to lose. And then he won. And of course, that's great. And it's important because it's the first win of the season. But the game against Darmstadt, I mean, it was just horrible. <laughs> and um, it really was. And I mean, um, the club said uh, afterwards, um, yeah, okay, it's the second game uh, that we played uh, to nil. But Really, I mean, Darmstadt has uh, been scoring so uh, little goals. Uh, of course, yes, they they kept um, clean there. But um, even in a situation like that, if you don't even score a goal against Darmstadt, Mainz 05, as far as I know, is the first team this season that didn't score against Darmstadt. And if you don't even score one goal against a team down there that is so weak, who do you want to score goals or win games against? I mean, um, that game, I think after the game against Leipzig was a real setback and I did not understand the celebratory um, uh, 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 how celebratory the club uh, talked about it. It's funny that you said how horrible the, 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 the game was because I was saying the same about the uh, uh, Darmstadt-Bochum match uh, the week before. Um, I was saying at that time it was probably the worst game of the season. <laughs> so <laughs> so a tough competition. But let's let's open up um, uh, from, from Mainz to the whole relegation uh, situation. Um, now um, uh, to um, Union Berlin is bottom of the table, losing 4-0 at Leverkusen. Um, it's uh, 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 Cologne is in 17 after winning <laughs> a winning a point in Bochum, where they were tremendously lucky uh, to get away with a point, and um, so. Um, 
uh, Heidenheim lost 4-2 in um, in Munich. We talk about this later. So, so overall, what, what's your impression of this uh, um, the the uh, the relegation to uh, zone? Which which um, team do you say uh, see as the main candidates to to go down right now? Oh, that's um, a tough one. I mean, I think um, looking uh, out um, at a Mainz 05 perspective, um, they can be uh, very happy or they are very lucky that uh, so many teams are quite as weak this season. Um, I think what, what makes it really hard um, to kind of point the finger on um, who will go down at the end is that there are quite some teams down there that you would not have expected down there before the season. I mean, um, I did expect on you in Berlin to struggle a bit uh, with playing uh, three uh, things at once, but I would have never expected them to go all the way down there. I, uh, in a way, admire that they stick uh, to the coach. Um, I think they will keep on doing that. And I do really think that will help them turn things around. So even so, Union Berlin right now is bottom of the table. I don't think they will go down. Um, I think Mainz will probably be struggling until the end of the season. I do not think... They have many chances to get um, higher than the relegation. I, that's pretty much what I'm expecting right now, that they will um, end up uh, on the relegating place. I think Darmstadt will have it really, really hard too. And Köln and Bochum too. I think uh, Köln um, really has um, a team that uh, is not understandable how they Got down there, so I think they probably have better chances than Bochum um, to get a little bit up. And Heidenheim um, in their first season in the first league is really hard to estimate because um, they did start so well, and um, I think they are um, a great. Um, Like they have that community spirit and you need that um, in the relegation fight too. But I think probably um, Darmstadt, Heidenheim, Bochum and Mainz are going to be fighting until the very end. Well, let's move on to happier stories and uh, calmer regions in uh, the table. All the way up in first place, still by Leverkusen after that... Uh, Final win over Union that we briefly mentioned. This is uh, the best start of a Bundesliga team since Xabi Alonso played for Bayern Munich in 15-16 with Pep Guardiola. So Xabi Alonso equaling his own record with Bayern, but now as a coach, of course. Uh, Christoph, I mean, we've, we've praised them many, many times, but are you still seeing things that impress you from week to um, week? What... what impressed me most um, uh, yesterday uh, in their 4-0 uh, win against um, Union was that they were not tired. They, I, I mean, that, and that's impressive because on, on Thursday they had to play in Azerbaijan and that's a six-hour flight. And um, I mean, um, it's, it's uh, everybody 
I mean, I had expected them to look tired and and a bit worn out, and uh, and I think we we talk about this uh, in the context of Bayern and um, and uh, Borussia Dortmund, how how after three um, what we call English weeks, so where you have three games in a week, um, uh, the form is deteriorating, players are tired, stressed, uh, and so on. And uh, Bayer didn't have anything of that. They, um, the, the, the uh, Union looked tired, yes, but not Bayer. And I found that impressive. And um, and the rest we have already pra- uh, praised several times. I mean, they they have such a a full toolbox, what uh, a footballing toolbox, so they can. Um, they, they score from uh, set pieces. They had two goals from set pieces. They had um, Grimaldo um, scored another goal that was goal of the month uh, material. He is he is fantastic. They are able to dribble. They have uh, they find uh, spaces where almost no spaces are. Yeah, it's it's very impressive. Um, I, I still have my doubts about them in a way. I don't don't know why, but maybe that's um, because I've been living in this a- a area and I've been living in Cologne. I've been very often to Leverkusen, and so maybe this uh, Neverkusen or uh, um, that they only over um, or Fietzekusen that they um, very often ended as wise champions. Um, so uh, it's inscripted in me, um, uh, and these doubts are. But uh, in fact, uh, right now, um, they are the best team in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I think it's hard not to agree. But Mara, a team that's not the best team in the Bundesliga is a team that was described um, in following terms. Um, I don't know how to translate it. It said... Learning Ihre Rätselhaftigkeit wird seltener in Kicker uh, during the week. I guess it translates as um, they're becoming less unpredictable or less enigmatic. The team in question uh, praised this way uh, after the win against Newcastle was Borussia Dortmund. But then, of course, Borussia Dortmund go and lose 2-1 uh, away to Stuttgart. They don't just lose. They basically get destroyed. And the reaction of some of the players suggested that something really wrong here was exposed. Now, what we can say is that they're 10 points behind Leverkusen after 11 games. It feels as if they're out of the title race already. How are we supposed to make sense of this Dortmund team? I mean, how have we been supposed to make sense of any Dortmund team of the last couple of years? <laughs> you know, it feels like history repeating. And I think um, the the word um, that uh, you could use uh, for the kicker court is also riddle. And, you know, they keep giving us riddles and I'm really not able to solve them anymore. I don't understand it because um, I was 
really convinced that part of their problem in the past seasons was uh, if you you know want to put it really simple um, that uh, Aki Watzke was make, uh, missing uh, Jürgen Klopp so bad uh, that uh, he kept on uh, looking for the perfect replacement even if he had really good coaches um, and uh, I think uh, in Edin Terzic he found that perfect um, fit uh, for himself which I think plays a big role and for the team but for some reason it's still the same problems than they used to have and I don't know they need to have uh, the biggest possible shake-up it's really a riddle. Raphael already mentioned it um, uh, Niklas Füllkrug um, came out um, to the um, after the game um, gave an interview to to Sky where I would say He heavily criticized his coach, um, saying, "Yeah, we had a we had a plan." Subtle but heavily, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, <clears throat> we had we, we had a we had the yeah, wrong approach. He said, "Yeah, in, in a way, in, not 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 as direct as as you say it there, but um, yeah, we had an idea, and then the the uh, Stuttgart played a bit." Uh, uh, different to to what we had expected, and and uh, yeah, uh, and he also said, uh, um, <laughs> he also said maybe we are not good enough for certain opponents uh, to play against, and that's heavy stuff I find because um, at first I think it's it's a massive criticism to uh, Edin Terzic and uh, Terzic was answering. Um, Uh, that he was saying uh, we have it in us um, uh, but sometimes we have to give the the answer on the pitch and not in front of the microphone wow not too bad and and also I mean the story of Borussia Dortmund is we are the number two we are uh, we are the Bayern Jäger uh, we are the Bayern Hunter but right now um, uh They, they they don't look like the Bayern hunter at, at all uh, and um, and as we already talked about some weeks ago I think their main aim this season um, will be to qualify for the Champions League again and if they uh, would miss that that would uh, would be terrible for Borussia yeah but um, I mean I'm I'm at a loss. Uh, as everyone else, we've heard some complaints about Edin Terzic at the beginning of the season. There was a sense that tactically he's not really giving the team enough. But then, of course, he made a few very pragmatic changes and the, and the form improved and they found consistency. But I think you're right. I mean, the fact that Füllkrug spoke so openly suggested there are bigger problems and that the team perhaps don't feel as if they're getting enough or certainly not the right ideas. Stuttgart did change their build-up game, okay, but apparently Dortmund weren't able to react to that. And they were completely outplayed. And let's turn this around because Stuttgart, I felt, made a huge step forward. They dominated the kind of team that, after all their flaws, you don't expect them to dominate. And they, they won in real style. It's a complete turnaround. We talked a lot last season about the fact that their uh, XG was much better than the results and they were expecting. 
a bounce back, a recovery in results, but not to the extent that they are seven points of uh, the league leaders and uh, well-placed to make the top four. So uh, Mara Stuttgart, I mean, is that, is that really the story of the season so far for you? Yeah, um, especially uh, as someone who's uh, married uh, to um, a fan of the big uh, Hamburger Sportsverein and uh, who watched uh, the games uh, live last season uh, between Hamburg and Stuttgart. Um, and I mean, uh, it's uh, unbelievable, I think, that they, uh, of course, in the relegation games, uh, they were so uh, much on top uh, that there was really uh, no fear of them going down. But like uh, the last third of the last season, uh, they, uh, in many games looked like they were sure um, to leave the first league and um, what they have achieved uh, is uh, really spectacular and I think it's uh, something um, well it's one of those stories uh, where you can still be in love with football which I think is really really important with all the shit going on in the, in the business and then you have a team like that that like rises from the ashes it's uh, it's really a fun time uh, to watch them play uh, I think um, the football they're playing um, is really um, well uh, you really get into it and it, it's really fun to watch and I would have never expected them um, I think uh, you saw especially in those two relegation games that they were much um, that there was much more in the team um, than they had been able to show uh, during the season but I would not have expected them to play that well I think it's uh, it's a really fun story yeah And if we go from that story, a fun story, to a perhaps more expected success story, uh, Bayern Munich winning again, this time 4-2 over Heidenheim. Uh, they had, again, a couple of shaky moments. Uh, Tuna lead being equalized to a 2-2, but then, of course, as you'd expect, Bayern uh, coming back to win the game. And Frank Schmidt, the Heidenheim coach, later said that we made it Interesting for two minutes. <laughs> That's, uh, that was an understatement. It was a bit longer than that. But uh, Mara, as a as a neutral, or shall we say a non uh, a non Bayern Munich supporter, I don't know if that's neutral. Um, what's your impression of this Bayern team? Because there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of criticism about Thomas Tuchel about the way the team are playing. And they're not league leaders, which in itself is, is problematic for Bayern. They got knocked out of the cup, which is embarrassing. But um, is this the kind of Bayern team that even within the dominance of the last 10 years or so, you think could do something very special? Or is it just a normal, half-decent, dominant Bayern team like you've seen so many times before? Huh. I have to admit uh, that probably out of the teams we're talking about today, uh, even if that might sound surprising, Bayern München is the one uh, I've watched uh, the least games. Um, what I find uh, interesting, of course, um, as uh, someone uh, who's uh, watched uh, Thomas Tuchel closely, is uh, that the noise kind of travels with him. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, that wherever uh, he goes, uh, there are some kind of clashes, um, I find that interesting because I think in a way um, he's um, well of course if the noise travels with you like that there's a reason for it but on the other hand um, Thomas Tuchel um, is a really a decent guy and I don't understand um, how he got the worst image uh, of all um, but I think um, he can give any team 
very much if the people at the club let him be himself and um, let him be himself might mean that it's a little bit uncomfortable for one person or another but um, he really has something special as a coach um, so I think even if the team might and I would not be able to judge that only be a half, de uh, half decent uh, Bayern team this season uh, he can be the one special ingredient for them to still do something special. Maybe we, uh, it's also an opportunity for more learning Fußball Deutsch Uh, here because um, Thomas Tuchel, he, he put a break on every form of criticism towards his team. Um, uh, uh, Raphael told us that they were 2-0 up and then they got uh, two, two goals from Heidenheim and looked a bit shaky because he was saying... Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. His team was mentally and physically on auf der letzten Rille. <laughs> and I, I, I was wondering uh, uh, what, what the metaphor is. Is that has it to do with wheels and or is it to do with, with uh, 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 records or what, what is it? I mean, for me, my natural uh, association is, is vinyl. You know, the, the needle has gone all the way to the end of the, the record and it's just playing and nothing mm. ah, happens okay. anymore. So you're basically, there's, it's over, the song is over, there's nothing left, you've given your all, all your, your energy. Uh, maybe there's some kind of motoring background to that as well with tires or something, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, for me, it's it's a record. But Tuchel was saying this: basically, we 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 have, we're dead. We we're we can't give any more. We're gone, um, which is quite worrying because there's still <laughs> about a month to play until uh, until the winter break. Uh, but of course, um, fact, as Tuchel himself mentioned, a chance for him now to recharge over the international break. Uh, not so much for the players. Um, I found this interesting, his remark in context with Borussia Dortmund, because also Borussia Dortmund in Stuttgart very much looked like being on the letzte Rille. They they really, really, really looked tired. And, um, and uh, yeah, but, but they didn't talk about it, because uh, probably because uh, they lost and um, they, they uh, probably didn't want to... To mention this, um, what I found interesting, uh, there was another uh, game between two teams that were competing in the international football and on Sunday. It was between uh, Leipzig and Freiburg and um, uh, Leipzig was uh, winning 3-1 and both coaches almost didn't change the, um, um, their uh, lineup from, uh, from, from the international matches. Um, uh, Christian Streich, who had played against the Serbian team of Topola, winning 5-0 on Thursday, didn't change a single player. And uh, Leipzig only changed one player from, from their win at uh, Belgrade. So uh, I found that interesting. And um, uh, just to... Um, uh, so Leipzig was winning 3-1, uh, thanks to Christoph Baumgartner, who came in... Um, Uh, draw a foul by Vincenzo Grifo, um, who is normally the guy who banks in the penalties for 
uh, Freiburg and, and later on Baumgartner scored the 3-1. I think a, a, a good performance by Freiburg, but a bit unlucky in some situation, especially with the penalty. Um, yeah, so, but I, I think this tiredness is, is an issue. And, uh, and the international break that comes now for a lot of players is no break. Because they have to play in their national teams. Yeah, and does does the Freiburg defeat fit into this wider narrative, uh, Mara, of the outliers coming back down to earth uh, this season? I'm thinking, of course, of Union Mainz to a certain extent, certainly Köln as well struggling. Um, I don't think so, because um, as Christoph said, um, the game um, was uh, really tight and it could have gone both ways without um, the penalty. So um, I, I really think um, they did uh, quite well. And um, I was almost, you know, because I have to admit, I really uh, like uh, Freiburg and I don't like Leipzig very much. Yes. So I was already uh, getting uh, excited uh, that they might might uh, well get a point out of that game um i think uh, if you look at all of the season of course you see um uh, that uh, freiburg is a bit uh, struggling um with uh, playing um three challenges but um i think that they're doing quite well for themselves um compared to um the likes of union berlin and others yeah but <clears throat> honestly they are only uh, in two competitions right now because they lost at home uh, uh, to Paderborn to go out of the German Cup, but they will surely, I, I think they will play um, next year international football, that's for sure. If they um, uh, win their group in the Europa League, they will go to um, uh, the next round. And if they finish second, um, they have to play this um kind of, how, how do you call this, playoff, playoff games playoff. against one of the Champions League uh, teams. Um, before we go, uh, we sum up the rest uh, of the Bundesliga. There was a 1-1 draw in Augsburg against Hoffenheim and the big story there was a bomb uh, that exploded. Uh, not, not a, it's not a bomb. So, but but it was not a um, it was not a normal firecracker. It was a a, a it was a big ex explosion almost, and eleven people were injured, and um, the game had to be interrupted. And um, it was one of the Hoffenheim supporters who, who threw it. Um, uh, towards the pitch and the club called it uh, utter madness and i think hoffenheim is completely right um they have already i think identified a suspect yeah uh, out of the 23 hoffenheim fans <laughs> it wasn't that difficult okay um there was a, another draw between werder and uh, eintracht frankfurt uh, duksch and boroy um put werder to um 2-0 up and then Skiri and Smolcic equalized and now Eintracht Frankfurt is on an um, unbeaten run of eight games. And finally, our producer York um, had a great weekend because already on Friday, Borussia Mönchengladbach was winning 4-0 against um, Wolfsburg. It was not only the highest win of the season, It was the best performance. It was the fourth win in a row. 
Um, and um, everybody, I think, is is getting the idea that maybe Borussia Dortmund is uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach is back on track. Um, Gerardo Seuane said something interesting that after the terrible defeat and the derby against Cologne, um, uh, uh, that had had created a, a big impulse within the team and especially that um, uh, players internally were taking over more responsibility so yeah and it shows on the pitch and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach hooray drum roll and applause for um York, our producer, <laughs> who is still in celebratory mood. Yeah, a late birthday present for uh, for producer York, a, a long-suffering producer York, and I think that kind of sums things up for this week. Uh, match day eleven was uh, was interesting. We will have the aforementioned international break and then return in two weeks' time with the look at match day twelve. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Mara, for joining us. It was a real pleasure. Pleasure was all mine. I was Rafael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann, and we say bye-bye. Bye. Bier and Honey, the German football podcast. <laughs>